sends his love. He wanted me to let you know he loves all y'all, and he's, uh, they're having a great time at camp, and uh, they're going to come back different, and uh, they're going to come back on fire and ready to, ready to get after it. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, and let's see here. I think I'll start in verse 31. Uh, this was just when Pastor asked me the other day to minister, this was just imprinted on me. Uh, this scripture, and uh, I just thought it was, it just seemed right for what we had for today. So in chapter uh, 6, verse 31, it says, So don't worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So really, the, the main thing that really stuck with me, that really came to my mind when Pastor asked me to minister today was uh, verse 33. And it talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. Amen? And it's a command. That's not a passive, if you want to. It's a, do this. That's Jesus himself saying that. Do this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? So we are to seek him. Amen. Are we all in agreement to that? That we, we're willing? We're willing to seek Him? Amen. Amen. Well, I just looked into it. Uh, I got in my concordance and in my dictionary and looked up the Greek for that word seek. And it was the word zeteo. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. But it means to seek. And it means in the sense of to endeavor, to try, to try to gain, to strive after, with the idea of earnestness and anxiety. Amen. So that right there already seems pretty direct, but we aren't told just to seek, all right? We're not told only to seek God, but he tells us when and how to seek God, and that we're to seek him first. And so I looked that up first, and the the Greek for that is proton, which I thought was interesting because that's like in a, a molecule or an atom, a proton. To seek first is to emphatically, meaning first of all, before all, figuratively, Figuratively of dignity or importance. First, first of all, chiefly, and especially. Amen. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13, if you would. But uh, it's, it's important Amen. to Jesus that we seek the kingdom of God. Yeah. Amen. He laid it on pretty thick there, I'll say. And uh, for good reason. But uh, some people think about, you know, seeking, and they may not know exactly what he means, but... I know that all of you have done some seeking in your life to some degree. Amen. So uh, I would bet all of you are world-class seekers in your own respect. So you think about stuff like whenever you are in love. See, that's starting to dawn on everybody. Oh, that's what he means. Okay. Like when you're in love, that person, you want to seek them out. They are your focus. They're everything. They're your world at that time. When you got those fluttery feelings, you just, when you're with them, you can't see anything else. You can't think anything else. And when you're away from them, all you think about is just the next time you're going to get to see them. Right. Amen. Isn't that right? And so you want to seek out opportunities to find that person, to spend time with them. Right. Amen. And that's a God-given uh, for, uh, for the one you're seeking after to marry. That's God-given for your family. That's all God-given that he wants you to seek after those relationships and those people that you love. Amen. So we got love. I mean, I have... In my life, I'll just tell on myself. So when it comes to 
Uh, so you see me up on the stage playing guitar. Originally, when I first wanted to start playing the guitar, it wasn't because I had necessarily any overt desire to uh, play on the praise team or worship God with, with the guitar. It was so I could attract some ladies. <laughs> it was so the ladies would take notice. So Brother Lon knows, yeah, it, it, so the ladies would take notice. I was like, you know, I could, I feel like I can already, I can already sing, I already had that gift. I was like, if I had the guitar, I'd just be the whole package. Man, that would just be, it would just all come together right there. <laughs> so now it's not just that. I'll just be clear. You know, it's, it's evolved and turned into something else. Amen. But, uh, but yeah, that's what, it, that's what started out. So, but it got me where I'm at. Just that initial starting out. Uh, I don't know if you know it, most of you might not know it, but I used to be a lot, there used to be a lot more of me than there is now. I used to be a lot larger of a person, uh, just in, you know, my weight. And uh, that was the same thing, you know. People might think, oh, uh, I want to lose weight to look good. I want to lose weight so I can uh, feel better and everything. No, I lost weight so that I would be more attracted to ladies. <laughs> and that was, that was the main thing, you know, the health and everything else that comes with it. It, yeah, it, it worked. That's right. Both of them worked. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just getting away from the love side of things when it comes to seeking, let's just think about, let's talk about some food real quick. If you get real hungry, you're in town, you know, you, you haven't eaten for two or three hours, you know, you're starving. Yeah. So whenever you get that, that rumbling going on, you start seeking after some food. Right. And it gets to the point where, you know, you don't care what it costs. Like, we go to, you go to a, uh, what is it, a theme park, you get hungry enough, it doesn't care that a turkey leg costs $20. And you'll spend the $20 gladly on that turkey leg. Because you want it, you got to have it, you should have a desire for it. Right. Another thing, too, came to mind is whenever you're shopping, getting them deals. Right. Looking after those deals. Whenever I shop online, I'm always looking for, you know, check three or four different websites for the same thing. See if, oh, can I get any cheaper over here? There's some effort being put into that to get some deals. I know y'all, y'all are quiet, but I know y'all do that. I know you ladies go to a couple different stores every time. It's not just one shop, stop, you know, you guys go all over. So, so you know what it is to seek, what it is to want something, and what it is to have an intense desire for something. Amen. I would, I'd say all of you know what that feels like. So in Matthew 13, in verse uh, 45 is where we're starting. We'll go ahead and just read this here. 45 and 46. And this, I'm reading it out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, if that helps you guys in the booth. Okay, it says, the kingdom of, or no, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. And uh, go ahead, and if you would, turn to Mark uh, chapter 10. But in this parable here, and he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about Jesus in this parable, that pearl of great price. That's who he's talking about. But uh, we have something that is a pearl of great price, something choice, something excellent, like these pearls. And you notice that he sought it and he found it, but then you also need to notice what he did when he did find it his reaction to when he actually found that thing. Mm-hmm. He got rid of everything that he had 
so just so he could have that one thing that he deemed as the most valuable. Amen. Amen. And uh, doing the will of God, uh, you know, for your life, seeking after God, it doesn't always seem, in fact, a lot of times it seems the opposite. It doesn't always seem to be more valuable than doing whatever else you want to do, than going out and having fun, or wasting time doing whatever, building hobbies or building your career. It may not seem like it is as valuable as that. But when you judge that next to eternity, next to what's coming, next to the future, it is tremendously valuable. Amen? And in Mark 10, uh, you all, I'm sure, are familiar with this story. Uh, It's about the rich young ruler. Mark 10 and verse 17. So uh, this was Jesus uh, who was walking. It says, As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good but one God. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Then looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But he was stunned at this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. So you see here, the rich young ruler, unlike that man in the parable before with the pearl, he had Jesus, the Son of God, right in front of him. He recognized who he was. He knew who he was, and yet in that moment, he didn't value him enough to do what he said to get rid of these things that he had stocked, you know, stockpiled here on earth, his possessions. And uh, I think it's interesting that it mentioned that he took note of how many possessions he had, basically, because he had many possessions. Uh, you just see where his heart is. Right. Amen. You just see that that's what his heart is after, that he had so much, and he didn't want to dwindle it down to nothing. I know Dr. Jacobs, uh, you know, a faithful man of God, he said he's taken his bank accounts down to zero, I think, three times, he said. I mean, it's, I'm sure in the moment it's not very fun, and it's a little scary. Right. But, uh, and I'm not asking you all to do that right now, so don't go out of here and, <laughs> and cash out. But uh, it's just a serious thing, amen, that if there is, that if the kingdom of God is as valuable as we say it is, as we as Christians believe it is, then it's worth doing something for, amen? Amen. It's worth going after. So he sought the kingdom, but when he found it, he was unwilling to do what it took to have it. And so that begs the question, what are we doing right now with the kingdom of God that's in front of us, with the unlimited... Uh, potential of just the word itself, just fellowshipping with God through his word, through prayer. Uh, are we taking time? And you just have to ask yourself that just individually and be sober about it because it's like Pastor said, you know, if you multiply infinity times any number or zero times any number, it's going to be zero. And so he's talking about, you know, the, the course of our life being so long in the scope of infinity, it's zero. You multiply your entire 80, 90 year, 100 year life by zero in the scope of eternity, that's just nothing. And how we live for eternity is determined by how we live in this short span of time. Amen. So it's just, it's just a call basically just to be serious about it, just to get more serious. And especially now, I mean, you see what's going on in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm with pastor on it that, uh, it's just getting to that point where any moment now, I'd be 
I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus came riding on the clouds, coming back. But uh, I was just as I was studying this this week, uh, getting in the Word, I uh, I had a realization. And as many of you know, I'm recently married. Just married my beautiful wife Sarah here back in March, March 21st, and uh, I've been learning a lot. <laughs> yeah, to my benefit, <laughs> ultimately. But uh, I've been learning a lot. You know, when you're single, you can go hang out at Starbucks for two hours if you want to. You can go hang out with your buddies whenever you want to. You, it's just different when you get right. married. It's great. It's fun. It's all, you know, it's better being married, I think. But it's just different. <laughs> Brother Lonzo, he's looking out for me. Amen. It's just different. And I was thinking that as valuable, as much as I hold up the relationship I have with my wife, uh, it's kind of weird to say even, just right now. But as much as I value that, I realize that our relationship with God is an even higher value. And so I I just had the realization that our relationship with God is to basically be a marriage between us and God. Not in a weird way, nothing like that, but just the amount of attention, the amount of effort. Um, And I just had some uh, points here to run through. Uh, Just some things that I saw that were parallels between a marriage and our relationship with God, what it's to be, our relationship with God. And number one was we are called to fidelity with God. And uh, if you turn to Exodus 20, and uh, actually go to Exodus 34. But uh, Exodus 20 and verse 3, that is the first commandment of the Ten Commandments. And you know what it is? You shall have no other gods before me. None. Zero. He leaves no room for error there. And uh, God is about absolute exclusivity. He ain't sharing you with any other God. Amen. He's not letting you go. You know, he, he, wants all, he wants you all for him, and there's nothing wrong with that. Amen? Amen. Uh, in Exodus 34, 14, if you're there, it even says that God's name... Here, I'll, I'll get there and read it. All right, I'm here, 34, 14. It says, you are never to bow down to another God because Yahweh, being jealous by nature, is a jealous God. It even says, I think in the King James, that his name is jealous. And a lot of times we think of God's love and his mercy and his kindness, but he's also a jealous God. And he wants you for himself, amen. And not in a controlling negative way. He just wants to be sought, and he just wants to have a relationship with you. Right. And he doesn't want you to be out filleting around, you know, going around philandering with anybody else out there with any other gods. And I looked up that word jealous, uh, the, the Hebrew of that, and uh, the Hebrew word is kana, and it means to be jealous or zealous. In every instance of this word, it is used to describe the character of the Lord. He is a jealous God who will not tolerate the worship of other gods. This word is always used to describe God's attitude toward the worship of false gods, which arouses his jealousy and anger and judgment against the idol worshipers. So closely is this characteristic associated with God that his name is jealous, like I said in the King James Version. So God's pretty serious about this. If you just read it like that, you would think it seems like God's a little bit overboard on his jealousy for you. But jealousy is not a bad thing. It's not necessarily negative. I 
had listened to uh, Jimmy Evans, uh, The Marriage Today ministry, and uh, he had talked about jealousy in a marriage, in a relationship. And he said that it is a God-given emotion to have, jealousy. Uh, and the reason that is is because it is an intolerance of uh, rivalry in that relationship. It's just an absolute, this is unacceptable, I will not tolerate this rivalry. And that jealousy actually protects the priority of the relationship. Now, it can get over into, definitely get over into excess where you're uh, slashing people's tires and busting their windows out with tire irons or whatever, <laughs> keying people's cars. Don't go that far with it. Right. But jealousy protects that relationship. Amen. And God's jealous for us. And, you know, you need to think about it. If you're married or if you want to be married, if you've been married, just think about somebody, and the typical Christian, if I could just put it to you like this, that they go out and six, seven days of the week, they're out sleeping at somebody else's house, hanging out with somebody else, and then they want to come into God's house on Sunday morning for breakfast and act like everything's okay. And they spent no time fellowshipping with God that whole time. Now, if my wife did that to me, there'd be some problems. It would not take long. And if I did that to her, oh, there would really be some problems. <laughs> It'd be rough. But, uh, and, and all that, I say all that just to lead to that I had just this as I was studying this week, that there's a part of us like with our spouse, like it says in Ephesians 5.31, that to cleave to that partner, there's a part of us that only belongs to God, that can belong to no one else rightfully, and it only belongs to God. Amen. And, uh, yeah, we're not to give that to anything else. So, when it comes to being jealous, like I said, it, it protects the relationship, and it also protects the appropriateness of the relationship, of other relationships. So, whenever a pastor is ministering, and he says certain things that might land, might land on you wrong, uh, a lot of times he is prioritizing and he's protecting the relationship you have with God. You, just, you really don't, probably don't even notice it. When pastor says that it's good to be here at the church when the doors are open, every time the doors are open, that is him as your pastor helping you to prioritize your relationship with God. To prioritize being here. And I have it later in my notes, but it's just like Dr. Hattabaugh said, you're always where you want to be. Always. And I, he said that the other day, and I kind of, at first I thought, well, no, I've been to the DMV. I never wanted to be there. I've been to the courthouse. I've never wanted to go there, you know. But you do want to be there because you want to go to the DMV because you want to have a current driver's license. And so you want to be there. So, yeah, like I said, you're always where you want to be. And that goes with, uh, again, spending time with God. You're always where you want to be. And you always make time for things that are important to you. Right. Amen. Always. And you may think, you know, you're too busy to involve, you know, getting your Bible out, praying. You're not. You're just not. Right. And, you know, you could, if someone told you, hey, I want you to spend, I want you to spend five hours every day doing whatever, and I'll give you a million dollars at the end of this week, I guarantee you'd find five hours out of that week. You could, yeah. make, you could put toward that. I know you would. I know everybody would. Probably put 10 in just to be sure every day. So that's important, spending time with God. Uh, your giving, again, you might, 
If pastor talks about giving, do you think he talks about giving too much? He's prioritizing your relationship with God. He's helping you to see that God needs to be involved in your finances. Amen. And so again, this is all just about these parts, especially when I talk about giving the tithe, and in these other things, your time, your effort, there is a portion of your time that belongs to God. And there is a portion of your attention that belongs to God. Amen. And belongs to nothing else, no one else. Amen? And it just came up very strongly in me that there, it only belongs to God. And are we giving Him that part of us that only belongs to Him? Or are we giving it to something else, to someone else? Amen? Like I say, you can't spend the week sleeping in someone else's house, come back home to God's house, and just expect a fruitful relationship. He loves you. He'll welcome you. But there's just not going to be what it could be. Amen. Amen. Uh, I was looking, again, at, at uh, Jimmy Evans' Marriage Today ministry, and uh, I had some interesting, he had some interesting things on signs. This is just for a marriage, but again, I thought it had a parallel. It was, a, it was signs of an emotional affair, like in a marriage. And I just looked at it as, in this case, signs of idolatry. And I'm just going to go through these four little things that he had here and just examine yourself, see where you're at. So number one was, when most meetings and conversations are kept secret from your partner. So we know on a level that God sees everything. But when we're doing things, are we mindful of him? I'll admit that there's been days where I could probably have gone the entire day and not thought once about what God thinks about something. Not even thought about, you know, you just get in your daily every day, you're going to, you know, you're running your errands, going to work, you might not even stop to think about God in a moment. I've done it, I'm sure everybody here has done it at some point. Uh, and that's, that's not right, that's keeping, that's keeping him out of your life, out of your daily life, out of your, what you're doing, amen? And uh, like I said there, the first one says, when most meetings and conversations are kept secret from your partner, uh, you know, what kind of things are you fellowshipping with? What kind of things are taking up your time that could be spent with God that you aren't involving Him in at all? You can have a hobby. You can go out and do something, but is that hobby taken away from your time that you could be spending with Him? Amen? Are you even involving Him in it? I mean, if you're going to do your hobby, you at least be listening to something. At least be listening to some teaching. Amen? At least have something. Amen. Just something to examine. Uh, number two, when you say and do things that you would not do in front of your spouse, and this goes back to the, if Jesus was sitting right next to you, would you watch that movie? Would you go to that place? Would you hang out with that person? Amen. If he's right there next to you. Amen. Uh, number three, this one really didn't apply, but it's when you make a point to arrange private talk time. Again, I mean, if you're keeping God out of something, he hears everything. He knows what's going on. But if you're keeping him out of it, and you're talking to other influences, other voices in your head about what you think about things, about how you perceive things, people's motives, uh, that's, that's not right, amen? It, it, it keeps God out of that part of your life. And then number four is when you share things with them that you don't with your partner. Again, going back to your time, your effort. These are all things that lead to, that is basically a symptom of idolatry in your life. And everybody, I'm sure, has a different thing that takes up this time, that is a weight that could be thrown off to lighten you up so you could run your race better. 
And I'm just asking that you think about that. What could it be? Amen. And that when you're giving yourself to those things, like, like we sang about, uh, you know, the amazing grace that saved all of us, that took us from nothing and elevated us to sit at the right hand of the Father. Amen. That when we're putting our time and effort into those other things, we're withholding that time and effort from the one that did that for us. And that's just, it's just not right at all. It's just, it is wrong. And so I understand why, well, to a degree why in, when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they started making false gods and the golden calf and that God was furious. He was mad about it. Amen. He did all that for them and then they turned around and just skirt him like he's nothing. And we, you know, say that looking back at the Israelites, but we got to look at ourselves today. Are we doing that same thing? We might not have a big golden calf in our entryway in our house that we bow down to, but man, I'd be sacrificing to Moloch or to Baal, but is there something else in your life that has taken that place? Amen. Amen. So it may be straightforward, but I just wanted to, you know, it's, it's been, I, he's been dealing with me about it, so I wanted to just... Uh, to just Amen. put it out there. Amen. Amen. So uh, if you would go ahead and turn to Matthew 8, or not, uh, 18, I mean, Matthew 18, in verse 23. But, uh, you know, it just takes fellowship with God. That's what he wants. Ultimately, I, I just boiled it down to two things that God wants out of us most. He wants fellowship with him. Mm-hmm. That's through time in the word, time in prayer, uh, worshiping him. And then the second thing is he wants us to build his kingdom. Amen. Amen. And that goes for funding his kingdom, and that goes for winning the lost and growing the family. Amen. Those are the most important things he can do. And if you are hearing this and you don't know where to focus your energy, right there is where you need to start. It could be you read a chapter a day starting out. It could be you pray for five minutes a day starting out. But just get started. Get moving on it. And if you're already doing great, wonderful. Just strive to do some more. Amen. Strive to be even better. And we know that when we seek God, like I said, eternally, there is a reward that comes with that. So if you go to uh, Matthew 18, I'm assuming you're already there. All right, it says uh, Matthew 18, verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he had no way, I think I'm in the wrong one. I think it was actually, let's see. It was the end of Mark 10, 17. Yeah, go to Mark 10. And we're going to start in 23. Amen. Actually, no, that's not even the right one either. All right, go to Matthew 6. (laughs) I see what I did. I see what I did. Yeah, Matthew 6. (laughs) Sorry about that. And it's uh, verse 1. So it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So if you're doing things on earth just to 
be seen by people, if you're living your life for what tastes good, what feels good, what's fun, that's your reward. That's where your reward ends, right there. There's nothing else after that. If you, uh, and it even says here later in this, uh, that if you give, you know, keep it a secret. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Keep it a secret, and then your Father can reward you. When you give secretly, when you do something in secret, He can reward you openly. Amen? But as soon as you say, hey, I gave $10,000 to the building fund, then it's like, okay, well, the person that you told that to, them thinking you're great, that's your reward right there, and that's it. And if that's worth, you know, the eternal reward for you, you, know, you make that call. But I don't think it is. Okay. Amen. So we just have to ask ourselves what kind of reward we want. Like the rich man, his reward was his riches. Mm-hmm. So he saw the kingdom of God. He saw Jesus standing in front of him. And he picked his riches over that. And I'm sure he had a fine, rich life after that that he lived. But that was his reward. After he had passed on, all that stuff was gone. Right. Amen. He hadn't been enjoying that wealth for thousands of years at this point. But he's been in, you know, hopefully he's been in heaven for, for that amount of time. But, uh, yeah, like I said, every decision that you make, it has a reward. It's like, like I said about you're always where you want to be. Your reward is when you go to the DMV, having a driver's license that's valid. Or people thinking you're uh, all put together because you're at church on Sunday morning. You know, if that's what you're doing it for, if you're putting money in the bucket so the person next to you can see it, that's your reward. Then thinking, hey, they gave. That's it. That's where it ends. Right. right there. Amen. So it's just about our heart, all right, and what kind of reward that we want. Uh, when I think about these kind of, you know, when I think about rewards and, and doing things in front of people, it always seems to go back to social media and people that, you know, you'll see people that post all the time about how they're lifting weights or how they're eating good or how they're. And then they'll post for a little bit, and then you don't see anything from them for two months, and they come back, and they're doing it again. And then it's the same thing. Two months has gone right. by. And, and to me, I'm just thinking, I'm not someone that whenever I do a workout, I need to post it. Not that I've done one in a while. But, uh, <laughs> but that I feel like I need to post it, because if you're working out, if you're building skills, even playing guitar, people are going to know it. Right. You don't have to tell them. Right. That you're working out, and if you're, and if the reward you're looking for when you post something like that is, hey, people are going to think I'm healthy. People are going to think I'm, you know, working out and doing good. That's all your reward is if that's what you're doing it for. Right. Because you're not going to stick with it if that's all you're doing it for. And so, like I said, if you put the time in, and this again with the word, with prayer, when you put the time in, people they don't have to know that you read for three hours that day or you prayed in the spirit for three hours. That day. They're just going to know it. They're just going to see it on you, that your lifestyle reflects that. Amen. And that's what we're striving for. We're not trying to look a certain way. We're not trying to be uh, in people's eyes and, and put on an image. We just want to be the real deal. Amen. That's why I appreciate Reverend Kamel. He's the real deal. Whenever I hear him minister, just his passion, his love for the lost, just going out and witnessing to people boldly, he's just the real deal. Amen. And his life shows it. And I know, just looking at him, just hearing him talk, just in a regular conversation, that he spends time in the Word regularly, yeah. that he prays regularly. Yeah. And that's, that's what we want. Amen. So uh, I'll just I'll kind of wind it down here. But 
especially now, like I said, in the, you know, we're in the last of the last days, basically, with everything out in the world like it is, you know, people turning against people. And let me just say this, that especially with all the, you know, uh, racial stuff going on now, it doesn't matter. You know, all that is, is the deception. It's the deception. If it's not black versus white, it's rich against poor. It's millennial against baby boomers. It's whatever group they can try to pit against each other, that's what they're going to do. Amen. That's what the world wants. But if we just focus on Jesus, we focus on what's going on in our local church, who we love, who we surround ourselves with, we're going to be fine. Amen. And we lift up the nation in prayer. We take authority over these things. We're going to be fine. Amen. But just especially in the, with everything going on, you just need to have a close relationship with God. You need to have a relationship. And it's like Pastor said uh, not too long ago, are you giving God your all? Can you legitimately say you're giving God everything in you to further his kingdom and to build a relationship with him? Amen. And if not, then you've got you to gotta start on it. And uh, like I said, you know, start off a little bit at a time. I saw a video. I'll just close with this. I uh, saw a video of a little boy, and it was real sweet. You know, he was, I guess, doing whatever that's called whenever you have the pads on your hands and you, you punch them. Like you're, you know, it's not shadow boxing, but, but his dad or whoever was filming had those hands, had the hands up, and he was hitting them. And he was just a little boy, probably nine, and he started crying in the middle of it. And his dad was saying, why are you crying? What are you crying about? And he said, well, I, you know, I'm not i got to keep doing it. I'm not good at it. I can't do that, that good. And he said, well, it's not always going to be easy. You're not going to just be able to just get, get right into it, and it just click immediately, every time. You're not going to be just instantly good at it. Right. And he said, but you stick with it, and you just reset, and keep hitting, the, keep hitting it, then you'll get there. And then it immediately cut to three years later, and he's, you know, obviously quite a bit older and a teenager, and he's just, I mean, he was smoking the thing like it was nothing. And just the confidence on him was there. And that's where we have to start. You might think, I got so much wrong in my life right now that for me to undo all of it would just be, I can't, it seems impossible. First of all, nothing's impossible with God. Second of all, start taking some steps. Pull yourself together and work on one thing. Get in the Word every day. Have a fellowship with God through prayer. Have some worship time in your car when you're alone. And just talk to him. Just tell him how thankful you are for what he's done for you. Just, and when you get in the Word, you're going to see what he's done for you and what he's promised you. And praise is just a natural result of that. Amen. 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 Well, I mean, that's, I just wanted to leave you with that exhortation that we just need to get it together. And uh, we just need to be serious about the call has, God has for our lives and uh, for this church, both you know, as just this local body and the church at large. Amen. We just need to take it serious. Amen. All right. If y'all want to go ahead, stand up on your feet. I figured I would go to about one and then we take a break. But no.